the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. Supporting companies and their employees for 75 years. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business. I'm Dominic Coyle, standing in this week for Kieran Hancock. On today's podcast, we'll be looking at this week's raids by EU competition officials on the Irish insurance industry and at new figures on the true cost of public sector pensions. We'll also assess what this week's exchequer returns for the first half of the year mean for this government. Joining me in the studio are Cliff Taylor, Owen Burke-Kennedy and Joe Brennan. First, to those insurance raids. Joe, maybe you could tell us what happened this week and why. Yeah, um, so this week, um, yesterday, on, on, on uh, Tuesday morning, um, the European Competition European Competition Authorities, along with the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission officials, uh, turned up at the doorsteps of a number of uh, insurance company uh, providers, insurance providers in the, in, in the country, including the main lobby group, Insurance Ireland, uh, investigating a, a, f- a few issues. Um, so basically, the, the main issue they're looking at is access to two databases um, um, that would be uh, allowable to uh, to insurance companies, and there seems to be a complaint from uh, other operators looking to get into the market uh, about the uh, how difficult it is to get access to these um, databases. The first database is called in Insurance Link. And basically, it allows um, people offering insurance in in the market uh, access to, uh, and also self-insured uh, companies as well, access to prior claims data from people who have been insured, so they can actually assess the risk of these individuals. Um, we've seen in the past uh, a, a Gibraltar insurance company called Zenith uh, complaining among a number of reasons when it pulled from the Irish market. One of the complaints was the difficulty it had in getting access to that database. Now, that database is held outside of Insurance Ireland. It is owned by the by the insurance industry itself. Insurance Ireland would collect data, pass it on to a third uh, third party, which operates the, the software. Um, but it seems that some companies find it difficult to get access to that. So obviously, it's, it's more difficult to, to price risk. The second element is the integrated information data service, and that's operated by the Department of Transport, and that gives information to insurers uh, the level of uh, penalty points that individuals have, so they'll be able to assess the risks there. So that's the the main element. Um, There's also another element in terms of just... uh, in relation to pricing that we understand uh, they're looking at as well, which is separate again to a third strand of investigation, which has been ongoing by the Irish authorities since uh, September of last year. And that very specifically is looking at uh, at pricing of insurance. We've seen insurance uh, rates go through the roof in the last number of years. If you looked at September last year when they launched the uh, that inquiry, in, uh, insurance rates had gone up about 70% over the space of, of three years. Um, so obviously it was a hugely emotive uh, issue at the time. So the the CCPC moved in at that stage and the, the main issue they would have had is that insurance companies would be uh, pre-announcing the extent to which they uh, plan to increase uh, their, their insurance rates. Now, in fairness, you know, any journalist who was speaking to insurance uh, industry executives, the first question you ask is, you know, where are rates going and by how much? Um, so, but anyway, the perception is that that fed into uh, the assumptions of others in the industry, so they kind of moved in tandem. 
movement in concert in yeah, some form or yeah, another. That's yeah, a suspicion. Yeah. Th- these raids were unannounced. Um, how unusual is that in the Irish context? We're not too, too... People normally get a lot of notice to get their houses in order around here before officials call. Yeah, well, with the Urban Commission, certainly, uh, because they're running the show in, in this regard, they would come to the local competent authority, they would ask them to assist them in that, and the whole thing is to, is to absolutely have a complete lockdown when they turn up at the door to make sure that no one is pre-prepared uh, for, for what's going on. And it's it's been a tough year for the insurance industry. I mean, as you say, the the investigations come on top of the grilling they've had in the in the Oireachtas committee on the on the back of the concern over the massive uh, re- increase in premiums. They've also had this separate um, investigation from the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission. Uh, why is the sector finding itself at the centre of so much unwelcome news? Is it simply that the consumers were were yelping over the, the size of increases? Or is there something more underlying going back to when they were struggling with their underwriting formulas? Yeah, I mean, it goes it goes way back for insurers. I mean, insurers have been loss-making for, for a number of years, uh, and, and they will blame any number of things. They blame, first and foremost, the, the recovery in the economy, so more cars on the, on the road leading to more incidents. Then they were also talking about, and, and there, there was evidence of, um, higher claims uh, awards uh, where people would effectively bypass a PIAB, uh, mm. which is the Injuries Assessment Board, to go straight to court. So people were lawyering up, even mm. going to PIAB, uh, which the whole idea of PIAB was to avoid uh, having lawyers. But even at that stage, lawyers were turning up to these meetings. They were effectively bypassed afterwards, mm. ended up in court. Um, and while that was playing out, you had a, a huge delay in terms of settlements. So insurers couldn't actually work out what things were going to cost ultimately because settlements were delaying because court awards were going through the roof. Now, more recently, we have seen some of the high court settlements uh, when they were brought up under appeal to the appeals court come back uh, and by, in some instances, up to 50%. So there's been a bit of a tapering in, in that. But insurers in general, I mean, the problem there is Similar to the banks, uh, insurers uh, lost the ability or maybe didn't have the ability to price risk. Um, and for a long time, that was masked during while well, the banks were having huge problems. The insurance companies continued from 2008 to 2012, 2013 to make profit for the very simple reason that they were able to release some of the reserves that they had huge reserves they put aside um, and weren't used. So they were able to basically kind of flatter their profitability by releasing that. There was another element as well that insurance companies are able to uh, benefit from uh, their investment income. Mm. And of course, insurance companies, they don't put it into high-risk income mm. uh, assets. They put it mainly into into bonds and at that, AAA government bonds. And we all know where bond deals are now. So the the, the income from, from, from that uh, leg um, has been quite difficult for, for 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 insurance companies to be able to kind of um, take to basically to to help the profitability when the underlying insurance business was has been loss making. Yeah, I think um, I think Joe's right. There was a huge mispricing of risk uh, by a lot of motor insurers in, in a period from two thousand and eight on, when there was huge competition for customers, new entrants in the market. Uh, Quinn Insurance was making a big play in the, in that market, and uh, you know there was probably annual premiums down in the low hundreds of, of, of euro, which really, if you talk to anybody, uh, you know, who's been in the business a long time said that, that it, you know, that's never going to cover the the, light, the likely risk, uh, the risk of claims in the years ahead. And there is, you know, as well as questions for the insurance companies, uh, just, just like the banks, there's also questions here for, for the regulation of the insurance industry during that period. Uh, insurance accounts are 
as Joe said, terribly opaque things. They're very difficult to read. Uh, annual profits really don't don't mean an awful lot. Uh, but good regulation, I think, uh, you know, would have would have blown the whistle a bit earlier uh, and would have ensured that. Uh, that, that increases where, you know, the premiums were sold at, at, at levels that were likely to be more economically viable. And just as we've seen in the banking sector with the central bank uh, clamping down in recent years, that the same has happened in insurance. I, I think insurers have been told, look, you have to price risk uh, properly. You have to claw back some of the ground you lost. And hence, we saw the big increases we've seen mm. uh, in premiums. So on the one hand, politicians were shouting and everyone was shouting that this was, this was too much and, and too much of a... Uh, an imposition on motorists and in some cases there have been clear unfairness and, and extraordinary rates but but at an overall level the central bank has been pushing the insurers to say look you've got you've got to stable stabilize the ship here so so a bit like the banks they ran out of road to kid themselves and us that they had the absolutely. money to 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 make profits absolutely and they had to bite the bullet where prudent industry would have done so considerably earlier yeah absolutely and, and just like the other banks there was, there's been a huge diminution of competition in the market which is why the european commission and the investigation is important now because part of it is an indication that the field isn't open if you like mm-hmm. to new people coming into ireland in the same way as as it is to the players here that may or may not stand up uh, when the facts are examined by the EU Commission, but obviously from from a national point of view, you would want to see more co- competition in the market. Uh, and Joe, when when all the dust settles down, uh, will any of this ultimately mean lower premiums for motors? Uh, not anytime soon. Uh, I think you know certainly insurance companies are going to have to manage and separate uh, their, their insurance business from the other parts of their, it's like uh, separate from, from their investment income. So you have to make sure that you're underwriting uh, insurance profitably so you can actually build up the reserves uh, and, uh, and and basically make sure you can actually continue to operate in, in, in that area. So I don't think you're going to see a massive uh, decrease in, in um, policy uh, prices anytime soon. In addition to that, also you have, uh, basically under European uh, legislation, you have uh, companies since early last year under Solvency 2, they've had to put aside more uh, reserves. So that's actually increased the kind of, uh, the, the amount of money they need to actually raise and, and set aside to, to make sure that they have that buffer in the event of hitting another crisis. The best news for motorists is that, uh, or as good as it gets for motorists, is that rates have stopped increasing at the, at the huge at the huge galloping rates that the, that the, that they were for the last few years. So there may be more of a period of stability, but not falling rates. I don't think. Thank you. Uh, we'll take a short break now, and when we return, we'll be looking at uh, this week's exchequer returns for the first half of the year. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Welcome back. There's been some concern in the first half of the year about whether tax receipts are, are delivering on target. This week's figures, though, for the Exchequer returns for the first half of the year seem to provide some support for the government's targets. Owen? Yeah, I suppose um, since the start of the year, the government's tax revenues have been significantly weaker than expected. Uh, the department have offered uh, various explanations for this, and we'll get to some of them in a second. But ultimately, it has stuck to the line that certain elements of the of, of tax are, are lumpy, what statisticians like to call lumpy, which means they don't flow in in smooth, discrete amounts. And ultimately, things will come back into line later in the year. Now, the last two months have sort of borne this out. 
the actual tax and the targeted tax take have moved closer together. So the latest numbers we got yesterday for this first six months to June showed the government collected about $23.5 billion in tax, which was 0.5% or 110 million off target. Now, in May, the gap was around 270 million. So you can see the difference uh, between what the government is getting and what it expects has narrowed. So Minister uh, for Finance, Pascal Donoghue's line has been that the government would be on target by the time October's budget comes around. So all in all, the latest figures will be broadly seen as positive. And there do seem to be some mixed messages in the figures. I mean, VAT, which is obviously an indicator of consumer spending, is ahead of target now. That bolsters the recovery story. Excise duties are below target, and, and part of the blame for that seems to be on lower than expected uh, car sales, which might point the other direction. But the biggest anomaly, surely, remains income tax, which you would assume is the, the clearest indicator of how the economy is doing. And the returns there continue to come in below projections. Why is that? Yeah, um, income tax has definitely been the most puzzling aspect of the exchequer numbers. Since the beginning of the year, it's been behind target and was again um, last mo- or this uh, last month. Um, and that is coming at a time of strong economic growth and an acceleration in employment, as anyone should tell you that uh, more people at work means more income tax. So people in the Department of Finance have been scratching their heads to wonder why why this is the case. One theory put forward was that there was uh, self-employed workers in the construction sector who were delaying paying their US, uh, USC till later in the year. However, the department actually appears to um, now be blaming its own forecasting model. Yesterday, um, it admitted that its forecasting model for USE returns may have overestimated the impact of wage growth on the tax and therefore the projected return. So um, that seems to explain around 100 million of the shortfall in income tax. The department officials didn't seem too perturbed about this. They, um, They pointed to the fact that the tax is relatively new has been tinkered with a lot in recent budgets and was difficult to predict. Um, so ultimately, it said the targets for USC are going to be off for the for the entire year. Um, in terms of the other uh, tax heads, VAT has been the stellar performer of the year, up 3% uh, or $200 million, uh, for the first six months of the year, uh, which shows the Irish consumer pretty upbeat uh, despite the potential Brexit hazard on the horizon. Excise duty, which you mentioned, uh, was better in June, but still off target. And one of the main reasons for this is poor car sales, which would seem to indicate uh, a certain consumer wariness. But there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the consumers here are availing of the weakness in starting to buy cars in the UK. All right. Well, the bottom line then is a surplus at this point for the government of 2.5 billion. Uh, It was a deficit of 1.1 billion, I think, this time last year. Now, obviously, a large chunk of that, I gather, comes from the, the flotation of AIB and the money that went into the government coffers that way. But does do, do the figures mean that the government has a little bit more room than it thought to address calls for increased investment in infrastructure, such as housing particularly? No, uh, it would seem not at the moment. The, the budgetary metrics are just pretty tight. Uh, because of the fiscal rules, the government have a kind of net budgetary adjustment of about $1.2 billion, which has been the case uh, you know, for a number of years. The big problem uh, is that most of that so-called fiscal space is already eaten up by two big things, which is the carryover effects from measures last year and by the impending public sector pay deal. Uh, when those two things are taken into account, the government may have three or four hundred million uh, for additional measures, including tax cuts, which is, is pretty meagre. Now, having said that, um, the last few budgets, the government has managed to pull rabbits out of the hat at the last minute, so we can't uh, necessarily rule that out. But from this vantage, 
the uh, budgetary arithmetic is, is very tight. And, and in terms of that budgetary arithmetic, Cliff, I mean, it, increasingly you've got the government looking to be basically eating tomorrow's bread today. So much of the fiscal space is actually being used up by measures that have already been announced in previous years. Are we running the risk of actually getting our budgetary arithmetic out of out of kilter simply because we we're promising today stuff we know we wanted to pay in full for till sometime down the line? Yeah, I mean, cer- certainly politically, this is difficult now for. Um, for the new Taoiseach, uh, Leo Varadkar, and the new minister, Pascal Donoghue, because people see the economy going very quickly. Uh, they see, as Owen said, the tax returns coming back on target. And they've seen kind of already hints starting about what's going to happen in the budget. You know, there could be lower USC, there'll be more spending on housing and so on and so on. But the reality, you know, as Owen also said, is that there's very little additional money uh, to pay for all this. So it was interesting to to hear the Taoiseach say recently to kind of hint that he may look to raise revenues elsewhere or to save money elsewhere to direct, so, we, so we'll have more cash to direct at, at priorities like housing, uh, the one that you uh, identified, while still saying within EU rules. That would probably be a sensible way to, to proceed. But the difficulty, as we've, you know, seen over the years, uh, and particularly, in, you know, looking at the record of the water charges or even the fuss now over the bin charges, is, is that asking people to pay more money in any area is, is hugely political, politically difficult at the moment. You know, you, you'd certainly expect to see some higher excise duties in the budget um, and some smaller tweaks to, to raise extra money uh, to, to give a bit more on income tax. Mm. But even allowing for that, there, you know, there doesn't look likely to be uh, to, to be a mass to be massive room for manoeuvre. So the the risk, the political risk for the government, I think, is that they uh, they march people up the top of the hill with the great expectations of what the budget is going to deliver, and and that it puts a few bob in people's pockets, uh, but not enough to you know, to create any kind of a really uh, a real feel good factor. And Owen, Owen mentioned also the pay talks, obviously, which are ongoing. Um, one of the big issues and most contentious issues in that area is the issue of public sector pensions. And new figures published yesterday by the Association of Pension Trustees in Ireland suggest that we're paying up to two and a half million euro in some cases to fund the retirement of the highest paid public servants. Does the government have a case to argue that that the cost must fall? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, but here again, it's difficult. You're dealing with people's entitlements, I suppose, uh, and and it's it's difficult to eat into those. So I, I think you know, to the government's credit, in the public pay talks. Uh, which the unions are now voting on, it has insisted that uh, the pension contribution or the pension levy that was introduced during uh, during the economic emergency will in part remain for public servants so that to some extent they will pay a bit more for their pensions and uh, that has been the case in the past. But even so, I think that what the work of the Association of, Push of Pension Trustees has, has shown is that uh, the, the huge disparity between the public and private sector. The difficulty for people in, in the private sector is, first of all, that very few are now on defined benefit schemes, which offer a guaranteed retirement income. Most people are on uh, defined contribution schemes. Uh, they're entirely reliant on, uh, on investment performance. Uh, and because interest rates are so low, are so low, buying a retirement income is now hugely expensive, much more so than would have been the case in the past. In contrast, public servants are still getting their lump sum when they retire tax-free, which is a really attractive perk, as well as the guaranteed pension in, in the years ahead. Mm. Uh, now, I suppose as interest rates increase in the, in, in, in the years to come, that may, that may equalise itself a little bit. 
but I think you know th- there was a decision taken during the economic crisis that newer public servants would be hit, and older ones would retain their entitlements. Uh, and bar the increased contribution under the pension levy, I think it, it's very hard to see that being rolled back any further. And that means we're going to continue paying for some considerable time. And these figures do show that even for fairly ordinary level of public servants, the the incre- the amount that a public sector person would have to pay to build up a kitty, a retirement kitty of the same order, yeah. would be roughly fifty percent more than it would be in in the in the public sector, according yeah. to those APTI figures. Yeah, and and there's a further twist then that the uh, the the pension rules as they are. Uh, make it very difficult for people in the private sector to build up large pension pots to, to fund their retirement. Uh, so, so you could argue that people in the private sector are, are kind of hit twice and, and that this is a really significant factor uh, for, 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 for people in the public sector in terms of their overall remuneration. But yeah, because interest rates are so low and because annuities which provide retirement income cost so much now, uh, as you say, TD's pension was was calculated uh, as, as costing over two million to buy now on the uh, on the private market. Uh, High Court judge two and a half million, Taoiseach four and a half five million. Uh, you know, hu- huge sums of money which nobody in the private sector could ever could ever uh, or very few at least in the private sector could ever hope to equal. So it seems that notwithstanding the fact that pensions is a subject nobody ever wants to talk about, it's going to stay on the agenda for some <laughs> considerable time. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and finally, uh, another regular beef, especially from those living outside Dublin, broadband. Oh, and it was disclosed this week that the National Broadband Plan, that government initiative to bring high-speed broadband to even the most remote parts of the state, will not now begin until 2019. Now, this is a plan that was first mooted in 2012. What, what's the problem? Yeah, as you say, it's hard to believe that after being first mooted in 2012 or in 2017 without one house being connected, um, Last year, uh, the start. Uh, last year was the official start date. That was deferred until the middle of two thousand and eighteen, and now it seems it'll be two thousand and nineteen before the build out starts. So it's it's difficult to get at what's going on. Um, the very complex procurement process going on in the background. The government is de- declining now, really, to put a timeline on on a, uh, on when it will start. But it seems they're kind of blaming the three operators for. Um, for their slowness in getting through the various stages of the procurement process. Um, the firms seem to give the impression that they're being snowed under uh, by paperwork from the department. Uh, the department, they, they seem to intimate, is overly cautious and, and, and maybe too desperate to uh, avoid a repeat of the process that led to the sale of the state's second mobile licence in the 1990s, which, as you know, ended up in the tribunals. So it's it's difficult to really know why the thing has been delayed so much, but it is a very, very complex uh, procurement process. And so businesses operating in those most isolated parts of the state have little option but to wait several more years in the hope of getting the sort of service that uh, we here in Dublin probably take for granted. Well, that's partly true. I mean, the department will say that, you know, about 80% of the 542 homes and businesses earmarked for the plan will get high-speed broadband within two years of the build-out. So that, that's quite quick for that cohort. But I suppose the remainder may have to wait even longer, out to 2023 in some cases. Uh, hopefully technology won't be obsolete by the time it finally reaches them. The department may also point to the fact that 300,000 uh, homes that were originally earmarked for the plan are now being uh, covered by air on a commercial basis. So 
they're sort of taking credit for that. But obviously, a lot of people are saying, well, that's, you know, a private operator doing this on a commercial basis, so the government really shouldn't be taking credit for it. That's all for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Cliff Taylor, Owen Burke-Kennedy, and Joe Brennan. Declan Conlon produced this week's podcast, and JJ Vernon was in sound. Until next week, then, goodbye, and thanks very much for listening. <laughs>